Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends, at the end of time, to raise up a people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page, to subscribe to our channel, and if there is a notification bell icon, I would like you to hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I want to encourage you to like this page so that we can develop the number of likes that we have so that we can come up in the rankings because we have a message that is critical for this hour and this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are already doing so. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can visit our website at templeoftruth.us. That's www.templeoftruth.us. Or you can go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple. Okay? We're also streaming now with the online radio platforms, um, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Music. There's a few others. If you want to see the full list of radio stations through whom we broadcast, you can go to our website, templeoftruth.us. And I thank you so much for those of you who've been communicating with us, sharing with us um, your thoughts about our message. We're very encouraged to hear from you. Uh, many of you are watching us through the um, platform, I mean, hundreds of, through the platform of Facebook and WhatsApp, etc. And um, that doesn't necessarily uh, reflect on our accounts here on YouTube, but it doesn't really matter. If we reach one person and we're able to help transform the life of one person and develop that relationship you have with God, man, we've hit a home run, okay? So it's not all about the numbers for us. It's about, it's about the fact that God is using us and we're grateful that you'll find us worthy, you know, to, you know, to be used at this time and this hour. Okay. Did anybody have... Um any dreams this week or have a word that they would like to share? Uh, I was going to think, I was going through Genesis this week, okay? And uh, actually someone asked a question about the tree of life. And I read that passage a, few, a lot of times, but never really noticed that there were two different trees, the tree of life and the tree of um, good and evil. And, and I wanted to know what the tree of life really meant and the tree of good and evil. What is the significance of those two trees? And... Um, and also after the after Adam and Eve sinned against God, and then God um, cursed them. And let me just go to that passage and read it out, so you, so you can understand. Um, if that was Genesis two, yes. So. Genesis 3, and it's verse, the very last one. Um, I 
think we would start at verse 22, maybe. No? Let's see. Yes, that's 22. That's what I'm looking for. Yes, 22. So, so the Lord said, I came to understand the tree of life, tree of life meant God. Okay. Um, and then, then he said here, verse 22, he said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So they were meant to eat every other, from every other tree apart from the tree of good and evil. And now that they've um, broken that law, and then God then says, even the tree of life, you're not they're not supposed to eat from there anymore. So that bit, I didn't really understand why, why God said, um, and now lest it put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Um, so, so that's one. And then, and then the other thing, again, I was um, confused about was someone asked a question I couldn't answer. He asked me, so when God was um, um, creating heaven and earth, the darkness was already there. He said to me, so God didn't create darkness because if you read that verse one in Genesis, verse one to three, he never said anything. He already said that there was darkness before creation started. So I don't know if anyone can try to maybe explain because I couldn't answer that question and I just, I just left it hanging. Well, I think we should put a pen on in this for when uh, Brother Mike comes on the call. I could answer it, um, but yeah. let's let's let him go ahead and answer that. So okay. we'll, just, we'll just put a pin in that. Is yeah. there, um, anybody else that had something that they had questions about, or something a dream that they had that they think would be appropriate to share with the group? I have dreams, but I never remember them. <laughs> yeah, I think when you have a dream, when you wake up, you really need to write it down because yeah. we're a, a group that's fellowshipping together every week. Mm -hmm. So there may be something that God is telling you in a dream that is meant for the group. Some dreams he's telling you something that's only for you. But yeah. even if it's something only for you, you still want to share it with the group because we really can't interpret our own dreams. Yeah. Unless it's a dream where God hits us over the head with the dreams. Sometimes he'll do that. <laughs> but um, sometimes, sometimes the dreams we have, we don't understand the dream until we look back on it in retrospect. And that's why it's important to share it with the group. So, Mom, what were you studying this week? Anything that you noticed in what you were studying that you think um, you'd like to share with the group? Or you have a question about? No, not, not really. I've, I've been on like four different subjects this week. And, and I think they were basically just to me personally. Um, 
you know, people will, will call and ask questions and, and uh, ask for prayer and different things. And you, you try to look up and make sure you're not just flying by your uh, worn out shoes. And so most of what I've done today, uh, up, up to today for this week, has been in my personal devotions and when I talk with those that call and ask me questions. Wasn't anything uh, really significant. It was nice to hear from people that you hadn't heard from in a long while, though. Okay. Um most of my people that I talk to on the phone are faith-based Christians themselves. So uh, if they ask me, things are more generational because I'm a good 20, 25 years older than most of them that call me. Yes. Okay. How about you, Liz? Um, I, I think, you know, some of the some of the um, scriptures that we had from last week that we were, you know, we were supposed to look over them. And yes. um, one of them that I was talking, I was talking to some people about is the thought that um, sometimes when with the scriptures, what you're reading is to say, what does this mean to me now? What you know, why why is this? coming to me now instead of you know who was this man and or this woman and were they really in history and you know being too literal about um like this is a history book more than um god guiding us book and sometimes so i was thinking about um where the king it wasn't really about what what exactly did the king do, but what exactly do you do? What did God tell you to do that you're not doing? Or what did God tell you not to do that you are doing? And I was talking to some people about that. And, um, you know, because I work with people who have some serious problems, saying to them, you know, instead of saying, um, you know, I have to memorize all this stuff, say maybe what you need to do is realize that God has given you a list of things to stop doing. Most of them have stopped doing, but some do it, some doing things. Like you can't love your children if you're using drugs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time they have are serious drug abusers. So you have to say, you can't, um, you know, God is giving you a message in the scripture look at the things that you need to change. And one of them is, you know, you can say, oh, you know, I have to be on a diet, or, you know, of whatever kind of diet that is, but I have to be on a diet. And then if you take that scripture, you know, if you eat a cake, you're not on your diet. You know? So you can say, when I, and eat this cake, I'm not doing what God wants me to do. And the same for the drug addicts, or, you know, I mean, I work with criminals. God God is saying to you on your list is stop harming people, stop robbing people, stop doing these things. So when you, not only when you do those things, are you harming yourself and others, but you're, you're going against what God is telling you. So you have to think about what God put on your list. So... 
I've said a lot about that this week. Well, that's good. It's a heavy workload. Yes, are you still working with the... Um, yeah. Yes. I, I, I do high-risk kids, veterans, and first responders and their families. And, and through doing that, I end up working with a lot of politicians and gangsters. <laughs> I tell people it's easier to reach gangsters and communicate and work with gangsters than it is with politicians. And they all laugh, you know, but it's not funny. That's true. The people that are we elect and we pay to help us are a lot less open to doing what they're supposed to be doing than when you say to a gangster, you know, you have a lot of power in this neighborhood and you're now the adults. Change this for the children here. But you can't say that to a, a politician. They wouldn't even listen to you. And they always have 10 people that you have to talk to before you can talk to them. So, and they, they would go, oh no, you can't say that to this politician. You're not doing your job. <laughs> but it, it, it's been strengthening for me. Yes. Well, um, so they they had a little bit of, did that you were saying they had trouble receiving the the scriptures that you were discussing this week or what was not not most of the people but you know there are some people if i if so you know some people if i were to contact their office and say you know what it was i wanted to talk about i'd never get to talk to the person but I, even the person that's sp supposed to be, you know, you talk to them and they're supposed to give the message, you could say that to them. And so that makes them less open than gangsters on the street. Because a lot of times I talk to gangsters, I, you know, they're out there where I work and I can say, or <laughs> they're in the court. And you can you can talk to them. And, and then... You know, like I said, I said to some of these gangsters in a in a closed meeting, "You are the adults now. All the think back to when you were a child. You wanted this neighborhood more clean. You wanted, you know, you didn't like it when your parents were using drugs. How can you change that neighborhood? Because supposedly you're the big leader. This is your turf. So change. What are you going to do to change this? And you know, they've been more responsive than the politicians." So, yes. Okay. Like one project we're working is homelessness, and all these people are getting paid all this money. Why don't you? Why don't you stop taking your salary and work on getting homes, and do something to get people in homes, um, rather than you know just go to your office and haul a bunch of other people and have lunch. <laughs> say, well, and you know the taxpayers are paying for that lunch and that conference hall and right now they're all on conference you know what they're on online talking online about you know oh with all the homeless well while you've been talking online we have 30,000 more homeless in two years mm. I live you know I work in LA 
But, you know, they don't want to hear that. Like, what have you done to reduce the homelessness? They get mad if you ask that question. But wouldn't that be the first question you'd ask yourself? You know, like, how come I have it last week? Oh, you know, maybe it's because I ate a bag of potato chips yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but at yeah. least admit it. <laughs> so, I don't know. Anyway, that was my use of the scriptures for this week. Yes. Well, I think we're going to have to dive into the scriptures now. And let's look at Genesis mm -hmm. chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Okay. Oh, everybody there? Yes. Amen. 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 In the Okay. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So if we just start there, what we see is that God created the heaven and the earth. Before God created the heaven and the earth, there was nothing, correct? Correct. Then when you look at verse 2, this is after God created the heaven and the earth. It says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So when God created the world, he created it with darkness. Correct? Okay. okay. Amen. Then in verse 3, it said, and God said, let there be light and there was light well have you who is who is the light of the world uh, god yes christ is our light yeah if we look in in um, in the in the book of john let's look at the book of john i think it's in john chapter 1 but let me just double check Okay, can somebody read um, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5? John chapter 1, 1 through 5? Yes, 1 through 5. I finally got it. I heard somebody else starting to read it. Or did you want me to read? Go ahead, read it, Mom. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That's one through five. Okay. So you see there that right in verse four, it says that the life was the life of men. Correct? Yes. Correct. And in verse five, it says the light shineth in darkness 
and the darkness comprehended it not. So this darkness, is this darkness the, um, you know, the dark corner that you see in the room where there's no light on it? No. So what darkness, um, does everybody see that? That does, does yes. dark, literal darkness comprehend yes. anything? Mm -hmm. No. The only, who comprehends, who understands things? Comprehends means to understand. Who's capable of understanding things? Man and God. Right. So the darkness, who is he talking about when he says the darkness comprehended it not? It must be man. Yes. Man. So um, somewhere else in scripture, there's another scripture says, the people um, who were in darkness saw a great light. Do you remember that? I remember that scripture, yes. Let me see if I can find where that is. It sounds like a sudden awareness. Okay, that's in um, Matthew chapter 4, verse The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Okay, so do we have a better understanding of this light and darkness? Yes. Okay, and once again, when we're talking to unbelievers, that we're not going to be able to reach them by arguing with them about the word. That what we have to do, because the word is the logos, it's the spirit of God. And if they don't have the Holy Spirit, they're not going to be able to understand the word. So yeah. one of the things that we have to do is we have to think, this person that we're talking to, what is it that they are struggling with in their life? Mm. Every, everybody struggles with something. Is yeah. there some deep hurt that they've experienced that, um, that prevents them from really being able to connect to other people from really being able to have any peace in their life. Mm. Because if we talk to them about how 
understanding who God is and, and learning about him and it bring, inviting him into their life, how it can address that problem, then we're in a position where we can be able to talk to them. Because this um, book, this Bible, this was mm -hmm. written as the word of God for the people of God. Yes. Yeah. So if you're not one of the people of God, then whatever word is in this Bible is totally anathema to you. You hate it. Yeah. Because God says, either you're, either you're with me or you're not. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, no, there's no lukewarm that you are either in God's camp or you're outside of his camp. Mm. So people that are outside of the camp you can't even, they, how can they even understand? It's kind of like trying to argue with the two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. You got to show them something they understand. Yes. So but that's, that's how I see it. Anybody else? Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. And I was I don't, thinking about the the politicians, even they have times when they aren't posturing in their position. They have times when they have to be human. And as long as they are sitting in a seat of authority with their politician hat on, they don't have to think about anything else in their lives or other people in their lives. And I think sometimes we have to figure out a roundabout way to ask our questions. You know, what do you think of this, that, or the other, or had, had you considered, or what, what might be a, a, a first line of defense against homelessness? Or uh, because as long as it's hitting them as I, they're not going to respond or don't want to because they have the seat of being perfect as the politician. That's my opinion. Yeah, and I, th I think that that's a, a good way to deal with unbelievers in general, that there are several principles. Well, the Bible gives us a principle about how to deal with everything in life. So if we are talking to them about biblical principles, that we don't have to even tell them that what we're telling them is coming from the word of God. That's true. Because look how many people listen to Dr. Spock about how to raise children. And that's because people made him popular. Right. So uh, pop, a lot of people love pop psychology. They don't know where anything in pop psychology comes from. They don't know whether that comes from the Bible, the Quran. Um, they don't know whether that comes from the Humrambi. I don't know if I'm saying it correct. <laughs> codes from ancient times. And they don't know whether it comes from the Book of Satan or whether it comes from communism. They have no idea where it comes from. But they like to talk in general terms. When yes. you start to be specific and tell them that this is coming from the Bible, that's when they're going to, when they're going to, um, uh, you know, cringe or pull back. Exactly. But, 
they can, if you're just talking to them about life, that, you know, mm -hmm. telling them about how you feel, you know, I understand how you feel. I felt the same way, but I found that they're more likely to listen. It's mm -hmm. a, um, over time, sometimes people will ask you, how, Abeli, how come you're not anxious or worried about anything? How come mm. you're always at peace? I want to have this peace that you have. Mm. When they get to that point of dealing with you, so you're always dealing with them in terms of biblical principles, that you can win them over that way. Yeah. Because the, you know, the Bible says, nobody comes to me unless the Father draw him. We are the body of Christ. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his eyes, we're his ears. I mean, each of us is, is performing a different role in the body of Christ. Yeah. So we're the only God that most people see. Yes. Yes, you're right. What I find is that, um, you know, growing up, there were so many things that we were told in the church um we didn't understand but we just followed or we, you know some of them were just doctrines um and i found that now that i'm an adult i couldn't explain why i believed some things that i believed and i and so when i see people that go through that i recognize where they're coming from when they ask questions these are these are things that you probably believed all your life but then you can't actually really explain it and that's what I find I find that now I feel like I'm reading the bible and I'm, I'm starting to understand my faith a lot more now than I've done for all my life but I've gone to church every Sunday you know we just sit down in the church to read the you know first reading second reading gospel you pray, go home. It was a routine. It was more like a routine. And, and there's so many interpretations of uh, words of the Bible. So many people have different meanings for different passages in the Bible. But I feel like I'm only just really starting to understand some of the, the things I've always believed in all my life in recent times. And so... That's why when I read Genesis again, I find, oh, I actually didn't really notice this when I read it the first time. Everyone <laughs> asks questions about creation. And then, yes. like, you know, I, I only recently on, uh, realized that in Genesis, he actually did say God created mankind. I've always not thought that when God created, he just created one man and one woman. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's things like this you know some of these things you find that some of the things you believed when you really read the bible on your own that that's not the way it was explained and right. yeah. i identify i identify with what you're saying yes uh, because i grew up in church and i realize now that um early mm -hmm. 80 that yeah. that was the background and the platform for me to have the faith base that yeah. I have now yes. because I was a child mm -hmm. and I was doing 
what my elders told me to do. I was reading what they told me to do. Yes. But I grasped it. Somehow it went through my mind and my pores. Mm -hmm. And when I got older and I was in need and I was sent off to school and different things with my Bible, mm -hmm. um, I would pick it up and read it. And mm -hmm. I found different things in yeah. my late teens and even mm -hmm. more things in my mid-20s. Mm -hmm. And it seems as though my walk and my faith base has been consistent with my mature age. Yes. And, and so uh, mm -hmm. I still need to communicate and be with people of like mind because yes. we still don't have it all. Yes. A lot is faith and the love of God in, in my mind. Yes, exactly. Yes. Now, I think I found a, yeah. another verse that I think we should look at also, and that would be Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Okay. What was the book in Isaiah? Chapter 9, verse 2. Got it. Okay. Got Isaiah now. Okay, I'm there. I'll let somebody else read, though. Liz, do you want to read that? I'm looking for it still. No problem. Okay. No, um, Isaiah 9, chapter, um, verse what? Verse two. Verse two. You have, you have brought. Is that it? You have brought them abundant. No, this is Isaiah chapter yeah. nine, verse two. Okay, Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. I'm using my son's Bible from his Catholic school, so it's a little different. That's why sometimes I can't find what you're talking about. So. Oh, okay. Me to read it? Sure. Says yes, yes, because my chapter nine says you have brought him joy. You have brought him great joy. Oh, that's the, that's verse three. Okay, so maybe they put the verses oh. a little out of order. Um, yeah, that's, I've noticed sometimes in other times people are reading something and it doesn't say the same thing in this one, or I can't find it. Okay. Well, this one says, the uh, this is verse two, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadows of death. A light has dawned. Right. That's chapter one. I mean, chapter nine, nine here. Verse two. Chapter nine. So what, do, what does your verse one say? If you, if you don't it mind says, reading it. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. 
in the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. In the future he will honor Galilee and the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Then it goes into the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Yeah. And the heading on, on the chapter 9 uh, says, to us a child is born. So I think it's going to be talking about the coming of the birth of Christ. Yes. In, in, most, in that, you know, I think the part that you read that isn't in this Bible makes a difference. But also, I think when it says the people who walked in darkness, I think, like you said, all these years you go to church and you're, you're kind of taught that it means something different. Rather than, rather than, you know, like they're out in the dark and they see this star in the sky and, and um, it's a whole different concept than what it said, you know, what you're saying. Well, we were understanding it for the for for the child that we were, right? So and walking and, in darkness and now I agree. as an adult is what you're dealing with every day, Liz. When you're dealing with people, right? They are in a right. dark place because they don't know anything about the Savior, right? And that was what I was saying before. I took a lot of this on faith, but as I get older and make sure I read on a regular basis, things are revealed to me. It's kind of like an aha moment. Yes. And when right. Kay was a baby, she used to sing uh, hymns she couldn't read. She was only two. And we used to sing uh something about there's an all-seeing eye watching you it was a hymn and she would sit in her high chair and she'd sing really loudly and she would sing there's an all-seeing dog watching you <laughs> and that's what happens when you're a child what you hear and what you take in i wish i had it on a recording because she has to smile when i tell it but she was next to the baby and uh, everybody else was older and could read and she was not going to be left out so she filled in the blanks with what she knew <laughs> all seeing dog <laughs> and you know what and now um, now when I see animals I still think of what they're saying you know what what their motions and actions are trying to tell us <laughs> yeah, yeah because as a child you're quite in tune to the animals because they don't speak much more than you did as a baby you had to go by what they were doing yes right. Right. so you know back in genesis 1 when they were talking about the deep and the darkness upon the deep that yeah. uh, some people when they talk about the deep here in Genesis 1 that they're talking about um, the pit so you know some people say that they are in the pits of despair that they are you know they're deep into um, you know 
unenlightenment, that they're really steeped in darkness. And so mm. it's very hard for them to understand anything, especially the things of God. And but just that word deep, if you're going to take that literally, in order to be deep, you figure the further down you go, especially if you're thinking of earth, it's going to be dark. Yes. You know, I've never, I've never heard it explained this way before. Some people actually took the deep literally to mean, you know, like the universe. When I, I've, The way I've always understood this verse was God created the heavens and the earth. So the heavens will be, um, you know, I guess, the, the universe. Um, oh. and, and, and then the earth will be the earth where we live right now. And so when he says the darkness was on the face of the deep, I understood it to mean, oh, you know, when you, as soon as you exit the earth, it's all dark, you know, it's just, you're in space. And it's just, uh, uh, um, when he says deep, it's, it's, it has no, 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 no floor. You so if you were to fall there, you just keep falling forever for eternity. There's no, there's no end, it's endless that's how I've, this is what i mean when i say we read the bible then and we just understood it literally until today there's a, you'd be amazed that there's a lot of adults that still have these interpretations and meanings well you know the deep could also be water if you've yeah. ever yeah. tried to learn to swim and yes. you're working like crazy but you feel yeah. yourself sinking, it gets darker and darker. Yes. Yeah. So this is, it's so literal. Sometimes, you know, it's to, to transit from just reading this into the spiritual angle can be quite, um, it, it needs the, you know, the spirit of God to help, to help you with the understanding and so it's the first time I'm actually understanding this very sentence in the way you've explained it right now, Kay. Well, thank you. I think that one principle we have to apply when we're reading the Bible is an understanding that everything, every word, every phrase, every book that was put into the Bible was kept in the Bible for us to be a story about us and our relationship with God and everything refers to Jesus and about our awakening, our enlightening, and our relationship with God. So you right. have the literal word that is written on the page. Then we have a problem with the literal world, word because we're not reading the word, the literal words, in the language that it was originally written in. Yes. So... Part of the literal word loses something in the translation. Mm -hmm. And so that then... That makes me think of something. Uh, all of our masters, as they get older, and our songwriters, they take a literal uh, path in, in their songs. Uh, I was just thinking of, he lifted me up out of the deep, miry clay. He settled my feet in a straight, narrow way. Do you remember that song? Yes. Mm -hmm. And and so 
that person could have been thinking about this scripture when they wrote that song. Yes. We don't, we don't know. If we, we are uh, impressed and get a lot of things from reading scripture. Now, I'm very much in tune to music because that was the love of my life from childhood. So when people speak immediately a song and the words come to me and I make a connection, I'll say, ah, that's what they were thinking. Well, if we look at, uh, let's look at uh, Psalm chapter 40, verse 2. Sorry, what book? The book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 40. Any particular verse? Verse 2. There's my song. Yes. Me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. <laughs> hey, continue on to verse three. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Amen. And in the King James Version, it says, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So... As we start to read the the Bible, and we see we see the same themes repeated in multiple places, and that is what helps us come to a better understanding of any particular verse that we read, because the the Bible usually gives a principle in at least three different places. So when we're looking to interpret what does the scripture mean, we have to look, okay, where else are, have they talked about the same concept? Because if we only see it in one place, then we probably don't have the right interpretation of, of what was trying to be conveyed. I also think of how he leads me through the a valley in the shadow of death that will fear no evil. Devour with me. Is that the sort of thing you meant, Kay? Yes. But it seems to be no matter how horrible you the position you find yourself in. If you reach up and touch, he's there to rescue. That's my mind's visual. Right. And the, the reference oh, that you just gave was the 23rd Psalm. Right. The Psalm 23, verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy, thy staff, they comfort me. Yep. So, yes. So, I mean, it's, it's very helpful to study the, the, the whole Bible and to keep reading because the more you read, the more that you understand that in the beginning, we become like little children just reading literally what's on the page because we have no context for what we're reading. Yeah. No experience yet no experience yet. And also, when you start to go through, through things in life, then you start seeing things much more clearly. Mm -hmm. That um, yeah. if you've never been tested, then you don't know how strong your faith is. Yeah. And you find you're stronger than what you thought you were if you keep reading. Yes. And I did have something that I wanted to share that I think kind of relates to this. And that is, um, okay, if we all start off in the pit, that's where we were before God, before we found God, before we met him, we were in the pit, we were in despair, we were anxious that we we experienced a lot of negative emotions. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. We didn't see any way out. Right. So, <laughs> but if we look in Philippians chapter four, verse starting at um, verse four, going from verse four to verse seven, can somebody read that? Got to get there first. When you re when you get there, say amen. Philippians what? Chapter four, verses four through seven. Amen. Amen. Around this is in the New Testament. Yes. Philippians is after Ephesians. And before Colossians. Yes, it's chapter, chapter, chapter four. Chapter four. Verses four through seven. Okay, actually, let's go from from verse four through verse eight. I didn't want to do all the reading. I was letting somebody else get in there. Okay. I can read it. Okay. Amen. Amen. Okay. Rejoice Amen. in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds 
through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So this is a, this is a principle of how to live a happy life, okay? Mm -hmm. Because okay. so many things can go wrong in life that uh, we have to keep certain principles of how to live our lives in place so that we can stay in that place of light and not sink back into darkness. Would you agree? Amen. Yes. Amen. And this is something that's not just coming in the New Testament. Let's see. Let me find the, the scripture in the Old Testament. I think it's Habakkuk 3, chapter 3. To say the books of the Bible to myself to find where Abaca where is. Okay, yes, Habakkuk is just before the just before the um, the end of the Old Testament. It's maybe um, near Malachi. It's it's three books before the end of the Old Testament because you have Habakkuk, then Zechariah. Then then Malachi. My Bible doesn't cheat in the front and tell you where it is. <laughs> well, well I, I, I'm in Malachi right now. Go backwards from Malachi two books or three books back. Just before okay, Malachi. I'm, I'm, I'm in Habakkuk now. Uh, so what book did we want to go to? Chapter um, three, verse 17 and verse 17 through 19. Amen. 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 I'm going to read it. Is this, is this, okay. 
this is about the fig tree not not uh, blossoming. Is that what oh, you have, okay. Liz? Yes. Okay, Liz, why don't you read yours? Bless you. Bless you. For, for through the fig, what through the fig tree blossoms not. Let's see. For though the fig tree blossoms, okay, you're fading out. Oh, I'm trying to read it, but I I have my wrong glasses on. I can hardly see. <laughs> this is a hard day. Um, and the fruit be nor the fruit be on the vine, though. The yield of the tree. Oh, oh the, the the fruit of the olive fall. Okay, why don't I go ahead and read Fail that? And uh, okay, because I can't see it that well. With okay, no problem. Anymore. Okay, no problem. What I have says. I know people. <laughs> okay. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. So what this is talking about is it doesn't matter that if these were in this time, people made their living off the land and they were dependent for their income on how much fruit was produced by their fruit trees, how much um, cattle, how big the cattle grew. And um, so he's saying, okay, so if everything that I was depending on for my living in life stops working, I'm not going to curse God. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be angry or upset or worried that I'm just going to start rejoicing and thanking God because I know that my strength comes from God. It doesn't come from the apples in my apple orchard. It doesn't come from my sheep. It doesn't come from the paycheck that I receive every two weeks. Do you see, do you see that? I, I think, I, yeah, I think this, this, is really important for right now in this time period. And people say, well, you know, what can we do? Well, if you get all upset and freaked out, it's not going to help you any. Have faith in God and keep going and have your joy. And I think so. I think, like you're saying, like, okay, so you don't get a paycheck every two weeks and you can't go to the concert you can't do whatever you know just keep your faith in god and enjoy it and 
and realize that your all of the good things of your life and your strength come from God, not from your paycheck every two weeks. Yeah. I, I think it's really important for right now in this time period. Yes. And those verses that you just read, Kay, they are the latter part of Habakkuk's prayer. The yes. chapter three was all his prayer. And he got to the end and he even talked about the trees not budding and the grapes on not growing on the vine. He was praying about everything. He was actually uh, in supplication um, and being joyful to God for what he had even though all those things that meant so much to his society were not working. That's what I'm seeing. Yes. Well, do you want to read starting in verse one in chapter three? Who? Of Habakkuk? Mom. Yeah. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. Oh Lord, I have heard your, I've, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. O oh Lord, renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushman in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. When you were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and withered. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted his waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens, and the glint of your flying arrows at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threatened the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot with his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, bloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yes, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come. To come on the nations invading us. 
Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to go on to the heights for the director of music on my string instrument. So he, in his prayer, he went from pain and pestilence all the way through to giving the person that writes a song on his instrument information to write about. Yes. Joyful. Right. So what, what influenced this prayer? Uh, in his prayer, he basically was telling uh, to me all the things that he knew that were going on but yet there was God. Yeah, I, I think what influenced the prayer, I mean, Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk is very short. Um, mm. It's only these three chapters, but at the beginning, it says in chap Habakkuk chapter one, verse one, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. So the whole book of Habakkuk is talking about the angst and the pain that he's seeing and how he's finding meaning through all of the, the darkness that's around him. I would say somebody now with Habakkuk's heart could write about all the pain and trouble of, mm. this, of this pandemic, but yet he still knows God's on his throne and in control. I think it's a really lovely, I think it's a really good prayer um, to say in trying times. And yes. as, as, like you said, especially now, or maybe when you're going through personal difficulties. I've never really read the book of Habakkuk before. And I'm just, you know, scrolling through and I see, you know, it's, it's almost like reading some books of Psalms. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ah, it's, a, it's a good prayer. I think um, maybe once in a while I'll come here and read some of these prayers. And, and read the introduction to Habakkuk, too. Uh, I, I think that would, would help because they talk about it uh, was a written dialogue or conversation between God and the prophet Habakkuk. Hmm. Can I come and, in here? Sure. All right. You've been you know, when you around, and they're all no, I've been listening. I, no, I was late, so I decided I'll just keep listening um, <laughs> and wait for a time that maybe I could contribute something. And um, I think if we remember what we learned last week, we learned that God smote the Amalekites through Saul. He, his intention was to destroy them. And we discovered that when the Bible tells us in the Old Testament about the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God, that today it's not physical people. So I remember when uh, you were speaking, Kay, about a few minutes back, 30 minutes back or so, you were telling 
I think it was a Billy or whoever you explained to about the people not being our enemy. You know, when you're reading things like Habakkuk or whatever, whatever you're reading, Psalms, you have to remember that the Bible is written about the struggle of you and I to transit from one nature to another. So the enemies that we have to fight, the circumstances that we go through, all are under the control of God. He allows good, he allows evil. Remember in the book of Isaiah, it says, I create good and I create evil. Now that's what God said about himself. So nobody should argue that point. But what are all these things for? Whatever you're reading, if you hold in mind what I just said, in other words, everything is about changing me from who I am now to Jesus Christ. If you hold that principle, then you can interpret the scriptures appropriately. They become the key to understanding scripture. Do you understand? So when you read Zephaniah, when you read um, Habakkuk, when you read Hosea, Nahum, when you read all these people, it doesn't matter. You're no longer overwhelmed in trying to understand what they're saying. Everything Jesus said when he rose from the dead and he approached those his disciples who said they had heard that he was risen from the dead, but they were not really sure. He told them, oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets and the law said about the Messiah. Wasn't he supposed to have suffered these things? Now, Jesus simplified it. He told them, he says, everything you're studying, everything you've read is all about me. What I'm doing is I'm taking it one step further and I'm saying to you, everything you're reading is all about you and Jesus Christ. But what is it about you and Jesus Christ? About you becoming one with him. What does that mean? Does that mean you've disappeared? No, it means you and he become one in essence. He no longer has to persuade you to go left or to go right. On your own, you think like God. You won't need anybody to come and tell you, I think you should do this. I think you should do that. You will know it by nature. Do you remember where it says, I think um, it says, and no one shall teach his neighbor anymore. Know the Lord, know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Do you, do you remember that scripture? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Good. There's only one way for you to not need anybody to tell you what to do. It means you have received the very nature of God. Nobody teaches a dog how to bark. Nobody teaches a cat how to purr. No one teaches a lion how to roar. This is the nature. And that's what the scripture is trying to do. So the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword dividing asunder soul from spirit. Everybody remember that scripture, correct? Yes. Yes. Good. So what does that mean? Why did the scriptures tell us? That's in the book of Hebrews. Why did it tell us that? It tells that word dividing soul from spirit. The word spirit there is actually referring to a spiritual nature. Amen. Amen. So for example, yeah. there's some of us who have inherited certain traits from our ancestors. Okay. Not direct, not because of them, but that this spirit has had a home in our ancestral line. 
So the word of God comes as a surgical instrument to separate our soul from the influence of that spirit and now makes a pathway for the spirit of God to come into that place that has now been exited by a negative spirit. And you now begin to take on the nature of this new spirit, the spirit of God. Does that make any sense? Amen. Yes. Good. So once yes. you're studying the Bible, you don't have, I don't care whether you've been born again two days. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be, it's not difficult. God wouldn't make a script, make scripture and make it difficult. We are the ones that have made the word of God very difficult for people to understand. Not God. The word of God is simple. I want man in my image and my likeness. Along the way, they're going to do something that I told them not to do simply because I gave them free will. Well, I need to have a master plan on how to turn that thing to a net positive. That master plan is the manifestation of myself in time to bring salvation to them. And now they can receive my nature and no longer need any law or commandment from me of what to do or what not to do, because it will now be in their nature to do the things that are pleasing to God. So everything you read, whether it's Habakkuk, whether it's um, Jonah, whatever it is, it's, they're all telling you one perspective of the same story. When Jonah says he ran away from God, he didn't want to take the gospel to Nineveh. It now tells you he was in the belly of the whale for three days and for three nights. Isn't that so? Yes. Okay. Didn't Jesus say the son of man would be in the grave for three days and three nights? Yes. So you can see that Jonah's story is a typology of the story of Christ. But I have one last question. Was Jesus in the grave for three days and three nights? No. No. no, but he said the son of man will be in the grave for three days and three nights. Who can you tell me was or is going to be in the grave for three days and three nights to fulfill the scripture that Jesus said? Probably us. You and I. Yeah. It's us. How do we know that? Because we see it right there in the book of Revelation chapter three. It says, and on the, on the fourth day, they rose from the dead. You remember that? Yes. yes. Good. What does it mean they rose from the dead? Jesus was met by a man who he called. He said, follow me. And the man says, master, wait, let me go and bury my mother and father first. Do you remember that? Sure do. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. What does that tell you? You think the man's father and mother just died that day? No. What he meant was he wanted Jesus to give him time to go take care of business, go take care of, you know, tell, hug his mom, hug his dad, you know, do whatever he's got to do and come follow Jesus. And Jesus' mm -hmm. retort was, let the dead bury the dead. So when God says he's raising you from the dead, he doesn't only mean he's going to physically raise you one day, which he will, but it means he's going to bring you forth out of among your friends, out of among your family, out of among the people that are close to you, and most importantly, out from the way you used to think before you came to know him. So you'll be transformed in your worldview, in your perspective, in your understanding. Every single Old Testament prophet, of course, we know the New Testament preachers 
Paul, Timothy, Peter, all of them were saying that. But every single person in the Old Testament was saying this, even though they didn't know how to articulate it as precisely as we're doing now or as Paul did. So whether you read, he took me from the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock, as mom was speaking about a few minutes ago, okay? Even when you read that, that miry clay that he's talking about is the life that you and I were in before we came to know Christ. Do you understand? Yes. Amen. 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 So Amen. you can, it, it's, always, it's always about what you were before, the nature you had before versus the nature you have now received. And that nature is beginning to grow. It's beginning to evolve. And symbolically, God says that you have seven enemy nations to conquer before you get to the promised land. What is the promised land? The promised land is the nature of Jesus Christ. You have to go through a process to get there. And everything about what we're doing when we come together to study the word is about how to get more clarity, more insight, more understanding of who he is because the deeper our understanding is of who he is, the clearer our vision is on who he is, the more we become like him. So the Bible says, as we behold him, we are being transformed into his own likeness from one glory to another. Mm. It's simple. Amen. This is all it's all about. The transformation of your nature from what you wear to what you're supposed to be. You're better today than you were yesterday, but you're nowhere as good as what you're supposed to be. So the journey continues, not by your own effort, but by the effort of the Holy Spirit and by the faith that you have in the work of the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to interject that there too, because we we're talking about Habakkuk, we we're talking about Isaiah, we we're going all that. And I just thought, let's connect these things so that we understand as we're getting these visions that we're understanding that all these things are pointing to one thing, the new nature, which is the new man, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'll just stop there briefly. Glad you were there. <laughs> <laughs> now you know I've been here all along. So, Ebele, did this answer your questions that you started off with? Yeah. Um... Well, yeah, yeah, it has, it has, um, yeah. For the record, I didn't hear the question. I, I came in about what was uh, the 15, Genesis fifteen minutes after you started. Yeah, it was the question? Well, uh, Genesis chapter one. You know the question about the um, a tree of life and uh, a tree of um, evil, good and okay. evil, and then also about the darkness. Um, the creation of the darkness and Kay explained that to me, to, to mean that when, when, when Genesis chapter one says, and the spirit of the Lord hovered over the darkness, yes. that the darkness was already, the, the earth, God created heavens and the earth and there was no form. So obviously darkness would have been part of it. And we were the darkness because there's a, another part of the Bible where Kay uh, pointed us to to explain that when God said, um, and, the, and, and um, let there be light, and there was light, yeah. that light there 
was God. Yes. Um, and God saw the light and that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. And God, so he, that, that's, that's exactly what we discussed before we then went into other, other areas. Right. Yes, so we, and you see yeah. darkness, you see darkness as a nature, not and light darkness, as a yeah. different and light as a different nature. Yes. Right. Yes, because yes. we looked at John chapter one and that saw that darkness yes. um, comprehended it not, that it, we could not right. have been talking about light and dark. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jesus himself said, This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. But men have rejected light because they love darkness. Jesus said that in the book of John. Yes. So yes. everything is always about the nature, the old mm-hmm. nature versus the new nature. Whether it is coming out of Egypt and going to the promised land, it's about coming out from one nature to another, coming out from darkness to light. It's always, mm-hmm. it's always the same thing. You don't even need the whole Bible. If you have one, I would say, if you, if you took a scissors and cut, the Bi- cut out the page of the Bible and then cut that page into four and throw away three and keep one, you can use that and teach about God for the next 100 years. I don't care where you cut it from. It wasn't written, this book wasn't written by man. And as time goes on, once you have, once you get the key, you begin to see that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, greatest story uh, ever. Please continue told. the flow. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to distort the flow of you know how things were going. Mm-hmm. But basically, what we were looking at was in that Genesis chapter one verses one through five that yes. um, Abele had talked to some people and they were thinking that God didn't create the darkness and that uh, and she didn't know how to respond. So we had discussed that this book was written for the, by, for God, by God, for the people of God. And so yes. that people who don't know God can't hope to understand this book and what is said in the book so we have to look at it and we talked just like you you reiterated later that um this whole book is about god and it's about our relationship with god and about our transformation into the likeness of god and about the different things that we will experience and go through and i think that we you know we moved on to um, rejoicing in the Lord always. So when we think about what God brought us from, how he brought us up out of the deep or out of the miry clay, that it yeah. doesn't matter what's going on in our lives at any particular moment, that if we focus on um, what he's accomplishing in us, what he's doing in us, where he's taking us to, that brings us joy. And that's how the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. And, um, you know, people can read later in the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, which is after first and second Chronicles, that Nehemiah chapter eight talks about the joy of the Lord being my strength. 
that if he is making us stronger, if he is transforming us, and if we're going through those, those um, seven changes in our life, that we will rejoice and we will be happy and we have to stay focused on him and what he's doing because otherwise we'll spiral right back down into the miry clay, which is where um, the darkness wants to take us. So we have to focus on the light. Yes. Well, the key thing is, even if you're not a believer, you should have enough sense to know that when we talk of the spirit, we're talking about a person in a spirit world, not in this physical universe. So when he says the spirit of God, darkness, he says darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. Mm. It's obviously not talking about the waters in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, 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 yeah. if it said... If it said John hovered over the waters, okay, maybe it's the Atlantic Ocean. But we're talking about the spirit. A spirit only exists in the spirit world. Yeah. So the waters there can only mean the waters in the spirit world. Yeah. And the deep there can only mean the deep in the spirit world. Yeah. Because the spirit is in the spirit and the natural is in the natural. Mm. You see that? This is this another is, word for hmm. another word for deep is the bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. Now, when a pit is bottomless, is it a pit? No, 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 it just means a place of perpetual separation from God. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah. if you are separated from God, you don't go away horizontally. And you certainly don't go away northward. You go away southward. You fall. It's a spiritual condition. It's not a physical condition. So this is really talking. This is really talking about the creation of nature. Nature of man. The, the, no, actually, it's it's beyond that. We can't. Yes, you are correct to say it's a part of it, but it, I'll be wrong to say that's all it's talking about because it would mean that I understand everything. Yeah. I can only talk that say, yes, the nature of man is a part of this. Yes. Okay? That yeah. the, the, not just man, the nature of nature. Yes. It's either separated from God or it is connected to God. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yes. So something is something is connected to god or it is not connected to god yes. and if it is not connected to god it is in darkness because the bible in the bible it um it says uh paul said god is light okay so yeah. darkness just means the absence of god mm. that's all darkness means with when you hear darkness you shouldn't be thinking about whether it's dim it's dark Physical you know darkness. Yeah. Right. Don't think of that. That's not what it's talking about. Mm. And when he's talking about light, he's not talking about, you know, physical light like you and I have sunlight. You can see yeah. that God created the sun on the fourth day. Right? Yes. Okay, good. So when you're when you're speaking with somebody who doesn't believe, 
your job is not to try to convince the person. Your job is to lay a foundation and move on. And God will send someone else later to put more into them so they can mature and they can grow from there. Paul, Paul put it succinctly. The apostle Paul, he said, Paul plants, Apollos waters, but it is God that causes the growth. The problem with us is we want to plant, we want to water, and we want to make the person grow. That's not our job. Our you know, job is this, to come, respond the first, to the... Yes, this go is ahead. the first time I'm actually... What you just said now, and this is... This is sometimes I understand some of these questions because these questions have actually let me understanding something I never even understood before. Yes. And this is the first time I'm actually realizing what you've just said now that God didn't, God created light separately from this conversation we're having here in Genesis chapter one, verse one and two. Yes. And before now, I didn't even see that way that when he said, um, let there be light on verse three, and then you go to verse 14, and he also says, then let there be light. So a lot of people get confused, and I'm also one of them. I get confused. I'm confused. All of us, I'm <laughs> confused about many things in the Bible. Yeah, so, we all so have this, our own confusions. These <laughs> convers so, conversations are really yeah. helping because it's not just children. A lot of adults don't even understand these things. They read this Bible, they don't even understand. And because they don't understand it, and then someone asks them a question that throws them off balance. They begin well, the to word doubt, of God is easier doubt. for children to understand than adults. You got, but just remember that. Mm. The word of God is easier for children to understand. Yes. Trust me. Yeah. It's much easier for children to understand. Adults mm. already have paradigms. Yes. We have paradigms. Okay. And we, we begin to think don't. too much. We, we, we overthink and then we, we then begin to confuse ourselves when yes. we become adults. You know, when the Bible says to be carnally minded is death, you <laughs> yeah. know what that means, right? It simply mm. means to be reasonable. <laughs> too, A lot too of people don't know that. Too intelligent for our own good. Yeah, yeah. People think carnally <laughs> minded means, you know, to be... No, he actually described... Because if you read what he said before then... You can see he was talking about thinking, people, rational thinking. And he said to be carnally minded is death. But we think carnal means something bad because we use the word carnal in other ways in the present world, in present age. But when you read in context, it means to be reasonable. Yeah. When this... God told King Saul, we read last week, those who were on the call last week, remember, yeah. God told King Saul, I remember what Amalek did to Israel 400 years yeah. ago. Now yes. come, go and execute my wrath and destroy everything, even their goats and cattle, burn them and destroy all of them. You remember that? Yes. yes. Well, King Saul went and did everything except to destroy the cattle. Mm -hmm. And when the prophet came and said, why didn't you obey God? He said, I did. He said, but I just kept some of this cattle here for the men because they were hungry. Mm. <laughs> Which is a reasonable yeah. thing to do. If soldiers have fought and given their life for their country, what's wrong if they just get some food to eat before they, you know, start hightailing it back home? Mm. And for that reason, God said, for that reason, I'm taking the kingdom from you. Wow. Now, to you and I, he had done a great job. 
But what God was saying that even that is that story is symbolic of Christ. And he's saying Christ will take even littlest sin out of you, and this littlest sin will not be permitted to remain in you. God has given Jesus Christ a commit a commandment. Now, Jesus, I need you to go down there. You see that girl at belly? I want you to clean her up. I don't want to see a spot in her. You get it now? So yeah. Jesus is the king that God has sent to destroy the Amalekites in your life. Mm. That's what that story is all about. Yeah. When you spend your time thinking about King Saul and the Amalekites, I wonder who, are the Amalekites the Arabs of today? Oh no, maybe they're the Chinese. That's, that's all, you know, I hear all those things and it's just like, oh God, God, help us. The Chinese or the Indians okay. of today. No, the Amalekites oh, are in nature in you and I. The king that God has sent to destroy them is Jesus Christ. Hmm. And Jesus Christ is working on us till he can get rid of not only the Amalekites, not only their king, not only their queen, not only their cattle, their sheep, every single thing, even their babies. Didn't mm. you read in the Bible where God said, destroy them, even their babies? Yes. When you read that, don't you feel what a wicked God? I used to feel that way. Mm. Yeah. Until I discovered that, no, it's symbolic of the little things that are in our lives now that are not really a problem yet right. but eventually will be mm. i see you see that Definitely. once we get once you remember this key the scriptures come alive mm -hmm. to you yeah. and you'll never get enough of it you always want to keep studying but once mm -hmm. you don't have this key it will all be like drudgery to you yeah you know Mm -hmm. Sometimes I pick up the Bible, I begin to study like Isaiah or Jeremiah. Then I say to myself, why don't I do this every day? Okay. <laughs> you know, because you're having such a great time. And you wonder, how did, what took me away from this the last time? I haven't been back here, you know, in a couple of months. I mean, every day I read one something in the Bible, but to study is a different thing. I mean, you spend a long time studying and I enjoy it. Yeah. So every one of us, please, Hold this key. Everything you're reading the Old Testament or the New Testament is all about God trying to change your nature from what it was, the nature of darkness, to what it should be, the nature of light. And today there are aspects of your life that are already in light. So you can be happy about that. But the best human being you have ever met in your life that has not accepted Jesus is in total darkness and is a devil. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. The yeah. best human being you have met in your life that is always honest, always does the right things, always is perfect in their attitude, but has not accepted Jesus Christ in their life is a devil. And the worst child of God you've ever seen who lies who still does all okay, is an angel. And I want you to hold that in mind so you begin to understand the difference between, now, is, does that mean God is justifying the rebellious child? No. no. There is a seed that has been planted in that person that will overcome that problem 
even if God has to put her in a motor car accident where she loses her legs to get it done. Did you hear what I just said? Mm. So it's better for us to just go peacefully. <laughs> just follow peacefully so he doesn't have to use other methods to get us there. We're dealing here with the nature. Once you accept Jesus Christ, what does it mean to say the blood of Jesus? The blood of Jesus is the nature. Amen? Amen. The, the blood of a goat and the blood of a lion are not the same thing. You can't do blood transfusion from a, lion, from a goat to a lion to keep the lion alive. Isn't yes. that so? Yes. yes. So they are different natures. So when you say the blood of Jesus, we're talking about the nature of Jesus. That's all that means. God said the life of the animal is in the blood of the animal. That's what God said in the book of Exodus, I believe. So every single person on this call, all of us on this call, tonight, if you die, you are going straight to heaven. Not because of how good you were today or yesterday, but because the nature of heaven is now in your bloodstream. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the best person that is doing the best things right now, so good, so honest, so righteous, so whatever, but has not accepted Jesus as their savior is going to hell if they die tonight. So be careful when you're ministering to people that you don't drive them away from God. Do your part. Never look down at them. Never, never, never say, what kind of stupid question are you asking? Can't you see it in the Bible? <laughs> no, they can't see it. Okay. Just speak yours in humility and move on. And later on, God will take them to the next person who will build upon what you laid as a foundation. And once that person is built, God will look at the edifice and say, this is good enough for me to inhabit. And boom, Christ will come into that person. Can I ask you Amen. a question? Sure. But it's, I think it, it's almost time for, I think you guys, we've been on for almost two hours. So, but I don't want to hold up anymore. I'm sorry that I took too long to, to speak. Yes, please go ahead. Okay. Can you just, um, you said that we have seven obstacles to overcome to uh to get to where god is taking symbolic us. symbolically god uses the number seven as the things we need to overcome to get into perfection it's symbolic there's no don't don't assume that i'm saying that you and you personally have seven things to overcome and that, i'm not saying that okay was that was that your question Yes, because I wasn't sure what you were, were referring to when you said there were seven uh, natures to overcome. Okay, fine, fine. Okay, everybody, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he told them, he says, I'm taking you into the promised land. Now, do you recall what I said the promised land was, everybody? No, I, I said it today. I said it, to, I said it this morning. I said it today. Christ. What did I say the promised land was? Life. Didn't you say it was Jesus? 
Thank you. Correct. I said it was Jesus, the nature of Jesus Christ. Remember that. Okay. And when you're coming from Egypt, you're coming from the nature of the world. And when you get into promised land, you've entered into the nature of Jesus Christ in totality. So when they came out of Egypt, God told them, he says, I'm taking you to the promised land, but you must fight seven abominable nations. And he named them. And he said, you shall, this, you shall fight the Amalekites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites and the whatever sites. There were so many ites there, seven of them. Right? Do you remember that? Okay, yeah. now, yes, now I remember that, yes. Good. Secondly, when God built a tabernacle, he told Moses, between the outer court and the Holy of Holies, there will be seven items that the priest must pass through before he comes to the final item, the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? So does anybody remember what the seven items were? Abele, you want to take a shot? <laughs> no, I don't. Just one. Just one <laughs> item. Uh... Is it the nature? No, no. The, what he gave Moses to put in, the, in the, the, the seven items the priest must pass through to get to God. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I heard Liz wanted to uh, say something. The veil or the curtain that went to the room. Yeah, you have to go through the, the veil, yes. But Yes, the veil it was what you went through to get to the holy place. But there were seven named items. You had the uh, the golden brazier. I mean, the uh, the, <laughs> the laver. The brazen laver. The laver made of bronze, not gold. Yes. Correct. That's one. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's has juggled somebody else's memory. Does anybody remember another one? Okay. The yep. first one was the brazen altar. That's where the lamb was killed. That's where your salvation began. The second one was the brazen lava. That was the bowl made of bronze where the animal was washed. That represents your sanctification. Okay? okay. Then the third item was the table of showbread. That represented you eating the bread of life. I'm going to stop there, but, you know, we can go on. But I want you to understand there were, there were seven of them, right? Yes. Culminating the, the seventh one being the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, the nature of God. Okay? Yeah. I remember seven days. <laughs> so and then when it came to creation. In and on the sixth day, he created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Yes. Now, he could have done the world, in, he could have created the world in six minutes and rested on the seventh minute if he <laughs> wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. He could have just created the world in no time. Yeah. But he keeps using that magnificent seven to send us a message. Because mm. seven is God's number for what? Perfection. Completion. Perfection. There you go. Right. <laughs> Do you know there's actually something that God put in the Bible that is better than perfection? Can anybody remember that scripture? Better than perfection. Acceptable. Acceptable. We'll look at that another day. So let's let let's stop there. Okay. So okay. 
I, I believe we've all received the code in some way. I see Chinese here. Why is she so quiet? Well, she was, I, I said to her, you can just mute your mic because she was, um, she wasn't going to, she wasn't going to join us. Because okay, she Chinese, if you can hear me, unmute your mic, if you can. I can hear you. Very good. I see you've unmuted your mic. Do you have any questions before we, we close? I, I haven't heard from you in a few weeks. Um, okay, because I think it was just last week I didn't join. Um, I don't have any questions. I'm still trying to, because I didn't, I didn't join from the beginning. So I'm just trying to, um, I have a lot of passages I have to read after this. Okay, good. Okay, um, good. And yeah. yeah. All right, so next week you come locked and loaded. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, do you have any question for me? No. Okay. Yeah. And I missed last week, but I caught up from your questions. Okay, cool, cool. All right. So, Dr. K, uh, over to you. Okay, so I think we should close now. Um, so who would uh, like to lead us in prayer? So I solicit your prayers. I solicit your support. Okay, I want to thank you for your time. For those of you who have been faithful, you know, uh, supporting this work, for being involved, sharing these videos. Okay? Don't be, don't, don't, don't get weary. Don't be weary. Don't get tired. Your strength is supposed to come brighter and brighter every day. Okay? Keep pressing on. Share these videos with your family and friends. Start watch parties on Facebook over this video so your friends and family can discuss it. Okay? And continue to write us. Write me through Facebook. Write me through you know, the, the comment section here on YouTube. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Thank you so much for the way you've been supporting us. Thanks so much for all that you've been doing. We really appreciate it. Remember what I said. If you want to continue listening to us, you have audio, you can always go okay, to our website. You can see the online radio channels that you can get us through, like I mentioned um, Apple's iTunes, I met Apple iTunes, I mentioned um, Spotify, and I think Google. You can also, you know, there are other platforms also through which you can hear us through audio, okay? I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to, you know, hit the like buttons. Hit the like buttons. I can't say that enough. Every time you watch these videos through YouTube, hit the like buttons. Now, if you're watching through Facebook or you're watching through some other video like WhatsApp, it's not going to show here, so we won't be able to see your like. But if you're watching through YouTube, I want to encourage you. Or Facebook, wherever it is, I want to encourage you. Hit that like button. Okay? Hit that like button. It matters to us. Okay? Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, you know, by watching our videos. Okay? In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be on the road, but wherever I am, I'm going to be broadcasting from there. So the broadcast is still going to keep going, okay? So thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. See you soon.